When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. On a day where it's normally about this time where we say, what time does the footy start? Well, there's no footy for the next couple of days. The footy frenzy is over, but time on is back. And we start the right way. The captain of the Sydney Swans, Luke Parker, will join me later on this hour. We'll also work our way through the footy frenzy. I want to ask off the top tonight, one 736 736 on the phone. Who came out of the footy frenzy better? And who came out of it worse? I've got a couple of nominations for both. We'll catch up with Bowls Australian champion Barry Lester and some of the stuff that you've missed from across the day. It's good to be back. It's time on. Welcome, great to have your company on Time On and nice to be back as well. It is Tuesday, the 18th of August. My name's Jack Everett. It's a great day to be alive. Looking forward to being with you this hour. A lot to get through. Luke Parker, as I mentioned, the feature guest, but it's a chance for us to now take a deep breath. The last time I spoke to you on this show was just before we had the 33 games in 20 days. And on that very last show, I asked you, who was it a big three weeks for? Now I want to double back. Now that we've actually had the chance to see everything, and I reckon a lot of you would have watched so many of the games, I certainly did, didn't lose control of the remote too often as well, which was a good little win, which means that for the next few days, I'm absolutely no chance. But the question tonight, the hot topic that I want to ask you, one 736 736 on the phone, 0433 981116 on the text, or you can also hit us up on Twitter, at TimeOnSEN, to get involved on social media. Who came out of the footy frenzy better or worse? Some teams were pretty well placed going into the footy frenzy, haven't come out of it as well. Others, both teams and players, it applies to both teams and players, others have gone in and have come out in a much better place. one 736 736 on the phone, 0433 98 11 16 on the text. I'm going to throw a good and a bad at you in just a moment, just as we get set to take your calls. But some things to catch up on from across the day. We start with the Sydney Swans. Dane Rampey is out for the remainder of the season with a hand injury. He has been trying to play through, and you could tell that he was under some duress, but uh, the injury has, in fact, now got worse. Here's John Longmire, the coach of the Swans today. 
Last night we had a scan and found out that that plate's been dislodged again, so uh, he'll be out for the rest of the season. It's obviously very important that he um, that he gets that right now. So really unfortunate. I think that's probably our, our ninth player ruled out for the season. So um, unfortunate. Uh, he's one of our, obviously, our our most important players and a co-captain, so disappointing for him. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more when Luke Parker, the captain of the Swans, joins us in about 15 minutes from now. WA Stage 5 restrictions uh, look set to be relaxed on October the 24th. There's an interesting little game of cat and mouse going on here between the WA government and the AFL about potentially hosting the 2020 Grand Final. Why October 24, you ask? Why does this date mean anything? Because it's, it's one, one of two, two dates being flagged for the grand final. And by easing those restrictions of stage five, it means that they could have a full capacity Optus Stadium. So they're not out of the hunt just yet. The commentary earlier in the day was that, well, surely that paves the way now for the Gabba, but that date makes it very, very interesting. And there's still time to make that decision. There's no rush, um, but WA not out of the fight as yet. While we're in the West, young docker Jason Carter uh, has been given a five-game ban for drink driving. This is quite a serious issue and quite a, a serious offence, and the Dockers haven't messed around with this one little bit, and it's not the first time this year that Jason Carter has uh, fallen on the, long, the wrong side of the Dockers when it comes to disciplinary acts. Uh, so that's his season over. And for a young player going into... Going into a season of 2021 where we'll have shortened lists and there'll be less room to play with as far as the, the cap goes, it's not a good decision, I wouldn't have thought. It's also not a good decision to drink drive in the first place. To basketball, Liz Cambage, the biggest name in Australian basketball, or one of the biggest names in Australian basketball, certainly the biggest name in Australian women's basketball, has signed on with the Southside Flyers for this coming WNBL season. It is a huge signing for the league uh, and great for Australian basketball to have Liz back. She's been playing with Las Vegas in the WNBA. She's a cult figure. She's a superstar. And she'll be a, a huge addition to that league this year. So well done to everyone involved at the Flyers. And to the NRL, before we get stuck into your calls, the Brisbane Broncos in total have been fined with a hunt had been hit with $140,000 in fines. 10 players have been fined 5% of their annual salary and the club has been whacked with a $75,000 penalty. This comes after players went to the pub, 10 players in total uh, and the NRL have come down very, very hard on it. Some will have their views that the fines are extreme. Others will say that they should have been greater, um, but in a season, and as we've learnt with Elijah Taylor in the last couple of days, in a season where it only takes one incident to completely derail things, um, that's really, really poor by the Brisbane Broncos. To breaking news coming through, Michael Christian has handed down his findings from last night's game between the Tigers and the Suns. Tom Lynch has been fined $1,000 for striking Sam Collins and $1,000 as well for striking Jared Witts. Interesting. I thought he may have got a week. I wouldn't have been against him getting a week either, to be honest. But that's not the case. A $1,000 fine instead. Uh, everyone's had a view on this. I heard Gary Lyon talking strongly about punches in the AFL and what needs to be done to potentially stamp them out. He's probably been the, the strongest of, of the lot, to be honest, when it's come to uh, his views on this. And, and I don't, 
I don't blame him either, to be truthful. I think there's only one way to, to stamp a lot of this behaviour out. It's not great. Um, and I think that from a, a league perspective as well, just as we get that audio ready, this is the sort of thing that um, if it's a fine only, it's not a huge deterrent, to be honest. $1,000 in the scheme of things is is not a big deal. And, and I think it's a little bit disappointing, um, to be honest, that... He wasn't suspended for a week, but that's just my view. We'll have that audio for you a little bit later. We're just having a bit of trouble getting it up as well. To your calls and to your text, 0433 98 11 16 and 1300 736 736. Who came out of the footy frenzy better and who came out of it worse? I was driving in today. You know, I've got about an hour in the car, so I've got a chance to work my way through these things and thrash them all out. I've got three for the good and three for the bad. I won't drop them all at once, but I'll give you... I'll maybe give you a two to start with. I'll keep one up my sleeve for later on. Start with the Cats. They won four of their last five. Their only loss out of that period was to the West Coast Eagles by nine points. They're playing seriously good footy, really, really good footy. Tom Hawkins is leading the way, and I'll, I'll talk about him in a moment. But the Cats have come out of the footy frenzy in really nice shape. And for those, and I was one, I actually had my hand up, and I, I doubted that they would be able to get through all of these games in a short space of time, I wondered whether their, their list may have some weary legs that might not be able to handle it. Chris Scott's managed the group really, really well. He's taken a couple of players out at times. He's put a couple of players back in and they, they've probably worked their way through the games and decided when to really go hard and when not to. Uh, the Cats have come out of this far better off. Another that has come out of the footy frenzy far better off is Clayton Oliver. His performances in the last three games have been superb. 31, uh, 34 and 11 clearances, 31 and 6 clearances, and 24 and 8 clearances on the weekend against Collingwood. He's had a major influence on the, on the games that he's been involved in, and it's no coincidence that the Demons now have started to turn around their form and change their win-loss record on the back of the great work of Clayton Oliver. He's a star. He's come in for some criticism, which I think was maybe a little bit unfair at times, but they've needed their midfield to get things going. Angus Brayshaw going back into the midfield has been really big for them as well, but it's all started, in my view, with Clayton Oliver, and his footy frenzy period was absolutely superb. So that's two for the good. What do you think? one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the phone, Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the text. Then there's who's come out of it worse. The Western Bulldogs have come out of the footy frenzy worse off. No doubt in my mind. Losses to Richmond, Port Adelaide and Brisbane. If nothing else, they've actually given us a pretty clear indication uh, of exactly where they sit in the scheme of 2020. They're a decent team. When they're at their best, they can be dangerous. But the gap between their best and the worst is too far right now. And I don't know how that changes for them. Um, I I personally thought they'd be a top four team. So I've got it wrong. Absolutely got them wrong. Um, and I don't buy the fact that they've had injuries. Every team's got injuries. Uh, the gap between their best and the worst is too great. And they've been exposed too often. They were exposed in those three losses that I mentioned. They were pretty good on the weekend against Adelaide. Um, but they have come out of the footy frenzy worse because, yeah, they may make the finals. They may scratch into sixth or seventh or eighth. But I'm not sure there's too many teams in the top bracket that are really shaking about the Bulldogs right now. It can still turn around, but it hasn't been a great period for them. The other is Jared Pollock. 
North have got their woes. And during this footy frenzy, you could probably mount a pretty strong argument that North Melbourne have come out of the footy frenzy worse off. And, and I would agree with that. Um, now they are at the point where they are going to commission a full rebuild from top to bottom, that list. And, and what it looks like in the trade period, in the off-season for them is going to be fascinating. But we'll get to that as it gets a bit closer. But Jared Pollock's been dropped twice now. Uh, and it's starting to become more and more obvious that for whatever reason, he's not fitting into the reshore ideology and the reshore game plan. I don't know what it is exactly, and it would be wrong of me to, to throw a dart at the board and guess. But I don't need to guess, and we don't need to guess, that whatever's happening with Jared Pollock and the Kangaroos is not working. And that's the reason that he's been out of the team twice in the last four games. He's on good money, and that's not his fault. You, you take the offer that's been put in front of you, um, but that sort of money is not sustainable if you're going to rebuild and you've got a player who either doesn't want to buy in or isn't part of the way that you want the team to play. So they've got a big decision on their hands at the end of the season, North Melbourne, when it comes to Jared Polek, but uh, this has been a pretty disappointing four weeks for him, and he's come out of the footy frenzy worse off. I've got another good and another bad that I might get to a little later on this hour. But to your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Greg's in Blackburn. G'day, Greg. G'day, Jack. How you going, mate? Good, thanks, mate. Good. Um, it's not so much Clayton. I'm a Melbourne supporter. It's not so much Clayton Oliver's um, clearances. He's made his gain have gone up by seventy percent. So he's kicking the ball. Yeah, and there was there was a bit of um, with the criticism, Greg, and you would follow this closely as a D's man that. It was that, yeah, he wins the footy, but he, he didn't really hurt you going forward because they were in and under possessions. But that's changed in a big way in the last four weeks, hasn't it? It has. And uh, and also with Maxie Gorn and Proust, what a, what a conundrum. I'd, I'd stick Maxie in the, fo- in the forward line and let Proust run. Uh, I'd rush. Really? Yeah, I, I really would. I really would. I'd just say, Maxie, you're up forward. With um, Wiedemann, what havoc they'll create, and uh, and let Prusy—he he did a good job, mate—and let him uh, and let him have a crack at it. That's what I'd be doing. Interesting, Greg. Appreciate your call, mate. Always nice to hear from you. Um, I would be playing Max Gorn in the ruck because I think he's the premier ruckman in the competition um, and has been for a number of years. But the Braden Proust scenario is very, very interesting. And what does it look like for this week? We'll find out the selected teams later on in the week. Still without Luke Jackson. You could mount an argument that Max Gorn could play 65, 70% ruck, maybe a little bit more, and then go forward. And Braden Proust could, could play the opposite way, could play 70% of his game as a forward. I don't know. I, there, there's the risk that it stifles Sam Wiedemann again. He's doing such a great job at being the, the big, tall marking target. Now, since round six, he's, I think he's second in the competition for contested marks, and he's a presence down there. If you have someone like Braden Proust, is, does he get in the way? These are all of the conundrums that Simon Goodwin's got to work with. But uh, I thought was I thought Proust was fabulous for them on the weekend. Mark's in Bacchus Marsh. G'day, Mark. G'day, Jack. How you going, man? Good, thanks. You know, just on the side, if uh, SEN had a rising star, uh, I reckon you'd be probably winning the rising <laughs> star at uh, SEN right now, mate. No. You've got a few guys coming through, but I reckon you're probably up the top there. You're too Pretty kind, much. Mark. We'll get a, we'll, I'll send a slab around to you. I appreciate it. No worries. I'll leave an address <laughs> with the producer after the call, buddy. Um, the Western now, Bulldogs, what do you make of them? Right. I can tell you exactly where they're going wrong and why we're losing games to the upper teams. 
It's a, it's actually a two, it's actually a two pronged thing. The clubs have worked this out, and it's the the key injuries to a couple of players. Their half back line. We've lost our run off half back, where we can launch attacks into the forward line, where we can release midfielders running, running through the middle of the ground to then pinpoint passes into the forward fifty. By having Crazier injured and mm. Taylor Duray has really hurt us off our half back line. Jason Johannesson's been down. Um, he's been hurt a little bit as well, but he's been down. Our half back line has not been functioning. Teams have worked out if they hit us with a lot of pressure on our half back line, their half forward line, and stop our run off half back, yep. we're stuck. Yeah, that's- and that's and that's what they take off you, Mark. Appreciate your call. This is this is what other teams do. They take something off the Western Bulldogs, and that's the run and carry off half back. What does it look like outside of that? And that might be one of the big things for Luke Beveridge is to look at how they can possibly get a plan B, if you want to use that term, but other modes of scoring because you take away the run and drive off half back and Caleb Daniels' numbers suggest that too. Caleb Daniels' numbers in their wins, I had the game on the weekend, averages 22 disposals. When they lose, Caleb Daniels' numbers are down to to 15 or, or 16 disposals, something It's either one of those two. So it shows that when he's having an influence uh, on the game, and a lot of the ball's going through him at half back that they're getting good results going their way. But when he's not having that same sort of influence, uh, then they're starting to find it hard to, to get their scores and, and get things moving from there. They're a fascinating team, the Dogs. I, I still think they can do some sort of damage this year. But as I said off the top, their inconsistencies have been too great. Off the text, Ryan in Perth says, Luke Ryan has been a total weapon during the frenzy period. Not sure how 187 centimetre tall bloke is able to hold the biggest forwards accountable and still become the best intercept player in the league. He'd be up there in the conversations for the best intercept marks in the competition. He'd be up there. Darcy Moore, Charlie Ballard. There's others, obviously, that I'm forgetting. But Luke Ryan enters that conversation. He's had a really... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Really good four weeks. Rowdy from Park Orchards, appreciate your text. Nice to have you. We'll come back to this a little bit later on. But up next, Luke Parker, the captain of the Sydney Swans, will join me on Time On. On SEN, your home of sport. Time On with Jack Heverin. Hand passes near the centre square for Parker, up over the top to Rowbottom, confronted by Haynes. He brushed him off, kicks the Swans inside 50, and he's weighted the ball beautifully and onto the chest of Dawson again. Jordan Dawson was great on the fly. This is the set shot, 49 out. He's equally good. And the Swans have bounced right out. Welcome back to Time On here on SEN. It is a good time to check in with the Sydney Swans. That's how we heard the game on Thursday against the Giants, their biggest win of 2020 and some good momentum to take in to the back half of the season. Luke Parker's having an enormous season for the Swans, leading from the front every single week. And he joins me tonight here on Time On. Live from Perth, Luke, thanks for being with us. Evening, mate. Hey, Jack. How are you, mate? Hey, excellent. Good to chat. Uh, it's a win that ticked a lot of boxes last week. Yeah, it was. It was um, It was nice to get some uh, reward for, for effort over our last two weeks. I think we've been... 
putting quarters and halves um, together and been working on certain things in our, in our game plan. It was nice to kind of have it all come together in one game and, and against a really quality opposition um, who no doubt will be fighting for, for right up there this year. And um, it was nice to get a convincing win and, and it's nice to get the boys, uh, young boys especially, um, feeling what, what um, the game plan work when it works, what it feels like. Yeah, so it, uh, we'll talk about the youngsters in a minute, but is that the is, is a win like that really big for your young group to say, well, if we can keep doing certain things a certain way, th- this is the result we get? Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's always, um, it's easy to, to talk up on a whiteboard and show how the structures work and the whole shape of, of the system works, but until you actually feel it out on the ground and, and see it, um, from from vision or on a Monday in a review to actually see it how it how it comes together and you get such an advantage from it from it um, is only a, a massive step forward for and learning point for those young guys coming through and the youngsters a lot of them took up midfield time in that Giants game I have been all season but through absence it's created opportunities and I talk about guys like James Rowbottom and Jordan Dawson who we heard in that highlight as we welcomed you in and Nick Blakey spent some time through the midfield as well. It seemed like it really gave it an extra spark. Yeah, it has. And those blokes are just getting um, better each game they play with. The James Rowbottom is a really um, big body mid, but just a really mature mindset on him. Um, obviously, I, just, I see the, a, a 200 plus game yeah. player and um, Nick Blakey has been playing forward majority of his career at the start and um, he, he got he got dropped and um, got challenged the week before and, and went back and played resis in the midfield and um, they thought he did really well on the wing and, and he was able to come in and provide um, a really hard matchup I think for opposition he's quick he's tall uh, pretty agile and um, he kind of he kind of broke open the game at times which was really good for his confidence. So can we see more midfield time from him? I always thought he was an interesting one his draft year because we saw him do a little bit of everything and we've seen him do bits and pieces in his career so far with the Swans. He's played some mid, he's played some wing, as you say, and some forward. Where does he end up, do you think? Because the, the competition is heading towards these sort of 193, 194 centimetre midfielders. Yeah, I think, I think we can see him probably a lot more on the, on the wing and outside um, mid for the rest of the season, especially with the outs we've got. Um, we just think he's, one, he's really quick and opens up the game, but he, he also... Um, uses the ball really well when he's got it and, and when he's been playing forward if you're only not getting the ball too much you can't show what you can do with it um, we think he really sets up the game well and um, helps with the delivery forward so um, I think at the moment while Josh Kennedy and a few other blokes are out um, with that midfield group he'll be able to experience a lot more time in there I know it's you'd love to have Josh Kennedy and you'd love to have access to some of your other first choice midfielders but it, has it in some ways, has it been a little bit of a blessing in that it's kind of accelerated the development of some of these guys that we're talking about? Yeah, I think it always does. It always injuries are never great when it's your best twenty-two, but it opens up a lot of other opportunities for um, guys that put the responsibility on themselves and and makes them grow up a bit quicker and have to mature a little bit um, faster out there. And, and we've seen that in James Robot in his second year. He um, plays like a beast out there, and, and Ollie Florent as well as another one who just. Um, continues to show a heap of class out there and, and we're really happy with how those boys are going and um, you're always going to get a few mistakes out there but that, that's learning and, and those boys have been fantastic on and off the field. You're carrying a big load through the midfield and we're talking to Luke Parker tonight here on SEN and you're doing an outstanding job of leading this group at the moment. How's the body held up with the, the space of games in a short period of time? Have you got through it okay? Yeah, I'm all good at the moment, mate. So, um, look, it's just getting the balance of, of knowing what weeks to 
to go a bit lighter and take some time off and, and refresh if we know we've got a bunch of games coming up one after the next. And I think um, that'll come up once we leave Perth. I think we end up having about five games in 20 days. So mm. um, that'll be another time just to, to reflect and make sure we're doing everything off-field to, um, to make sure I get the best out of myself and out of myself and um, hopefully stay out there as long as I can. Did the surf bo- surfboard find its way to Perth with you? Didn't find its way to Perth, and uh, I was glad, I was glad I didn't because we're heading up to Cairns, and yeah. um, one of the Chad Warner actually one of the young boys. I throw him under the bus. He was like, I can't wait to go to Cairns so I surf, can surf, and we we're like, mate, there's no surfing Cairns, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure the young boys know where they're actually heading yet. No, they'll work that out. How have you found the hub life? I mean, from a, a Swans perspective, you haven't been in in a hub or a bubble for as long of as some of the other teams, which I suppose in a way has given you a chance to, from the outside, look at how others have handled it. How have you got through it, do you think? I think our clubs obviously looked at what, what's worked with other clubs and um, obviously they've been, the, the blokes high up have been speaking to each other. And um, Look, we, we've tried to just really embrace it as, as most of the teams that have been successful once have gone into the hubs is just to really try and enjoy the little things. We've been lucky enough there's probably only... Um, three blokes over here that have got, or three players over here. There's a few staff as well that have uh, families and wives. So uh, most of the young boys are, are really enjoying themselves. Um, they spend a lot of time together anyway. There's there's a games room and it acts like a kindergarten for most of them. So, <laughs> um, but look, there, there's always the, the the couple we've got to be mindful of who are away from family. And uh, but look, they're, they're trying to they know what 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 it is what it is and. Uh, they're just trying to enjoy their time and um, it's pretty unique and we'll just keep plugging away. And there's the the obvious disappointment, which is a leader of the footy club. I have to ask you about Elijah Taylor and the events of the last few days. Far from ideal, obviously, given that the rules are there and, and as players, you're carrying so much of a burden to, to do the right thing. It must have been pretty disappointing as a group. Yeah, it was. It was really disappointing to hear. Um, look, it was, it was a poor decision. He knew... Um, coming back to his home state, he knew the consequences of um, something like this happening. Um, he sat down and, and knew um, kind of what the go was and unfortunately he made a really bad, poor decision, which, look, it's, it's not what the club needs in this time. We've got the, the, um, Charlie Gardner and, and, and Tom Harley and Horse and that are going through a fair bit and um, trying to sort out what the program looks like, what off-field stuff looks like and to have something like that happen is is really disappointing, but at the same time, we've got to try to support him. Um, hopefully he can, can learn from a mistake like this. Um, he, he's going to copy his right whack and um, look, we've got to try and move forward and, and can take, can, uh, keep competing on the field and, and enjoying our time here because um, look, we pride ourselves on, on being a club that doesn't stand for that stuff and unfortunately um, yeah, a poor decision has been made. To matters on field, I think you've dealt with that one perfectly. Just the, the way that footy's being played this year, um, I feel like from what it looked like at round one to what it looks like right now is, has changed and in the last three or four weeks there's been a lot of emphasis on teams and, and you certainly against the Giants were another one too where it was it was about winning possession but then moving it quick and being direct and getting it inside your forward 50 and having time inside forward 50. Have you seen the game just move ever so slightly from the, what it looked like at the start of the year to what it is now with the shorter quarters? A little bit. I think I think at times teams are really focusing on locking it in their hearts and, and causing repeats. And um, well, I think most times are always, most teams are always looking to 
um, set up well behind the ball. So if teams come out of defence, um, you can put it straight back in there and build the pressure. And hopefully, um, under that pressure, their defence crumbles and you can and kick a few um, through the big stick. So for for us, we've been working on our defensive shape um, and probably not getting our offensive run. Um, correct and, and probably making a few poor decisions but on the weekend we are able to get the defensive shape and really turn it into a um, positive, as you said, some run and carry off that back line and um, go pretty quick through the middle, uh, which I think a lot of teams are doing. Just before we let you go, the question that we always get asked off the text here at SEN, anytime we talk to anyone from the Swans, how's Buddy tracking? Will we see him at some point this year? I bloody, I bloody hope so. He's, um, <laughs> look, he, he's, he's the ultra professional. He's doing everything he can. I know he's um, it's doing his head in, um, not being out there. Um, he's such a big character around the place and, and being incredible off-field this year for our young guys and um, building that relationship with them and, and leading the way there. So to hopefully see him out there would be fantastic. But um, look, it could be a couple of weeks away. It could be a month. I'm not too sure. But he is, he's out there training and, and moving around. So... Um, I think hopefully it's up to the big fella. Luke, always great to catch up. Appreciate your time tonight and good luck. It becomes a fascinating game against the Dockers on Saturday Saturday night and one that will be well and truly worth watching. So appreciate the chat. Cheers, Jack. Thanks, mate. Always generous with his time, the captain of the Sydney Swans. Luke Parker joining us here on SEN. 0433 98 11 16. You can join me for the remainder of the hour. Luke's chat was brought to you by McDonald's. Free coffee for healthcare workers. And to say thanks, all healthcare workers in Victoria, Maccas are shouting them a free small McCafe hot drink or medium soft drink until August 19, which is tomorrow. So if you're working in that sector, go to Maccas and treat yourself because you absolutely deserve it. And we appreciate the work that you are doing. More of your calls, more of your texts after this. We'll catch up with some of the stuff from across the day that you might have missed. We'll talk a little bit about Tom Lynch as well, and we'll talk to Australian Bowls. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Happy and Barry Lester. On the other side of this, it's Time On. Great to have you with us here on Time On. We'll go through some of the other stuff that we've missed from across the day before we finish up as well. But it's been a few weeks since we've been on, and it's been a few weeks since we've caught up with Barry Lester, and we always do it with thanks to Apia, proud supporters of Bowls Australia, to encourage the community to get set to go Apia are proud supporters of Barry Lester and they are also all about possibilities. Talk to our dedicated specialist today on 13.50.50. Baz, welcome back to Time On. Good to have you. Yeah, thanks very much, Jack. It's um, yeah, been a great segment to be involved with and it's great to have the support of stakeholders like APR and doing great things for, for people in these tough times. And, yeah, the feedback on the video has been really positive. Now, you're back out on the green. Last time we spoke, which was the best part of four weeks ago, you were getting set to get ready. How have you gone? Yeah, really good, thank you. Yeah, it's um, been good to have a, a bit of a, uh, I guess, you know, just a bit of a run. Um, I didn't want to take it too serious too early, but, uh, yeah, it's good to catch up with Aaron Sheriff for a game and, and get back to a great place in, in Broad Beach for, for a game. So, uh, yeah, been still putting in some hours on the track. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a different way of competing now with the with di- different sort of rules and regs, but it's um, still good just to be able to get out and compete. So 
part of what you, you're doing with Apia each week is a different social media this week, uh, vi- social media video, I should say. This week, the theme is about why bowls. You're a good one to talk about this because your backstory of how you got into the sport is interesting. And I know that there's parts of, of Victoria and those listening to us tonight who are in stage four, but hopefully we're out of this sooner rather than later. So it's a good time to talk about why bowls. Yeah, and we've said for years, uh, if you're maybe uh, finishing up your career in, in football or cricket or basketball or something like that, and, and you want to engage in a community activity, there really isn't anything better than, than bowls. You're outdoor, you're active, um, you know, it's social fun, so you're making new friends, you're creating, uh, I guess, memories. Um, and you can also, if you want to take it really competitively, you can go out and try to achieve some, some big things. And uh, you, you look at the competitions we've got from state to a nation, national level now, one of the great initiatives that Bowls Australia brought in was the uh, the over 60s Trans Tasman, mm. and so you're getting to represent your, your country, and you might have taken up the sport in your 50s or 60s. So um, yeah, and, and and it's just one of those games. But it goes further than that. I was very lucky when I took up the sport. I played with my dad, and we won club championships together. And they're still some of the best achievements I've ever had in the game. So um, to be able to go down to your local community venue and, and give up um, a little bit of time on a weekend or after work, and you know you're going to get highly rewarded for it. So that's why there's so many bowls clubs out there, and that's why so many people love the game. I know we talk about this a bit, and we have done for years, but it's the, the, the stigma of the, the white uniforms and the brown shoes and all that sort of stuff. Those days are well and truly gone, aren't they? They really are, and you only have to look at some of the other sports going down that track as well. Bowls is no different, and we've quite a lot advertised the the fact that the average age of the Australian men's and women's Jackaroos team have been in the in the 20s. So yeah, we we do cover all those sort of angles now when it comes to colour and, and and cameras and TV events and so on. So you know, through the the management and all the initiatives of Bowls Australia and all the states getting on board, it's been really good the last few years and. You know, with COVID being around, unfortunately, with some states like Victoria doing it tough, um, there's going to be some people that want to maybe look to belong, to, to create new friends, to, to get out there, be a bit more active and, and try maybe a slightly healthier lifestyle. And a bowls club really does provide all that. You know, many clubs have um, activities for juniors, uh, many activities for just health and well-being. So um, bowls clubs really do tick a lot of boxes when it comes to people just trying to engage in community activity. Uh, before we let you go, you, bowls is one of your great loves. The Melbourne Football Club are another of your great loves. Things are going pretty well at the moment. Oh, very happy, mate. Yeah, three in a row. We've got a big test this weekend against mm. the Bulldogs. Uh, so uh, I'll be having a bit of banter with Mark Casey about that game. But, um, yeah, very happy. I think our back line's the key at the moment. We've all started to click, and and uh, young Pickett, he's uh, he's very exciting to watch, mate. So yeah, now hopefully we can yeah, string a few more together and make some finals. Uh, they're going pretty well. You can watch all of Barry's content at the Apia Good Life Hub. Apia are all about possibilities. Talk to our dedicated specialist today on thirteen fifty fifty. Baz, as always, great to catch up. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, good on you. Thanks, Jack. Barry Lester, one of the stars of Australian Bowls, joining us as he does every week here on Time On. It's with all thanks to our great mates at Apia. We're going to catch up with some of the stuff from across the day that you might have missed. But if you have just joined us, you may have missed that Tom Lynch is free to play against Essendon on the weekend, was charged with two separate striking offences, one for giving Sam Collins a clip in the guts off the ball, which I think we've all seen the footage of Sam Collins. He, he would have wrestled a crocodile after the game. He was that fired up. And then was involved in another incident in stri- with striking Jared Witts. 
but has only got fines for both of them. The Collins contact was assessed as intentional conduct with low impact and body contact. His strike on Jared Witts was the same. It was assessed as striking. So even the way that that's been assessed by the match review officer, intentional conduct, yes, low impact. That part I'd argue because Sam Collins was standing next to Tom Lynch. Tom Lynch gets him in the stomach. Sam Collins goes down, albeit for a short period of time. Tom Lynch gets on the lead, takes a mark and kicks a goal on the back of it. It's fascinating. Considering that we're trying to stamp these things out, and that this is now the third such incident for Tom Lynch and two in the one game, I think he should consider himself very, very lucky. As we head to the break, Richard's in Cows wants to have a chat about this. G'day, Richard. Uh, good evening, Jack. Uh, look, I was watching on Channel 10 News before a clip of the uh, Lynch incident tonight, and they showed I'd never seen it before. Lynch appears to have um, some blood on the top lip of his mouth as he pushes the bloke in the, in the chest. Now, I'm wondering, how did he get the blood on his lip? So that I don't know. I called the game last night, Richard, but obviously we, at the moment we can't travel, so we're, we're off monitors, and uh, our guys here have, and girls have done the best they possibly can to kit us up with the, so that we can call the game and try and see everything. I didn't see exactly how he got blood on the nose. I don't know whether that was as a result of rubbing faces with someone, as players do these days, they get in each other's face, but don't make any contact or whether there was something else, it could have been a football incident. Richard, to be honest, I can't answer that because I don't know exactly how he did have blood on his nose, but he did have blood on his nose. You're right. If you've got a view on Tom Lynch, would love to hear from you. 0433 98 11 16 on the text or 1300 736 736. It's been a hot topic today on SEN, particularly on Dwayne's world. Uh, the phones had smoke coming out of them with Dwayne in the first hour. Here's Tom Lynch last night on ABC Grandstand after the game. The behind the goals footage seems to uh, show you throwing a, a right arm to the, the midriff of, of Sam Collins. Um, uh, I guess, what are your reflections of that incident? Oh, I wouldn't say that. I was just an open hand and pushed off. Um, that, was all, that was it to it. So, yeah, I'm not too sure. He was a bit angry about that, but it, yeah, it was just an open hand to the, to the chest which you are as key forward, that's what you want to do. So we thank ABC for making that audio for us available as well. There's the semantics of the Jake Arts punch in there as well, that Collins really went down after the second one. That I can't argue with. But one thing that I, I don't think many of us can argue with at all is that there was a push to stamp this sort of stuff out. The clips to the stomach and off the ball sort of stuff. What happened to that push? Is that no longer a push? Have we ditched that? Are we focusing on something else instead? I'm not saying Tom Lynch should have got 10 weeks, but I, I think a week is a, a bit of a statement and a bit of a reminder to everyone that this is not what we're after. Uh, couldn't have gone astray. It's time on here on SEN. We'll come back with some of the stuff from across the day that you've missed. Time on with Jack Heverin. Hmm. So how many times you allowed a punch before you actually... That's what I'm saying. You just write your check, you get a, and then you've got a free punch, and then you just work out when you want to give it. It's a joke, Tim. You, you know it's a joke. If the AFL try and justify, oh, we're taking a hard stance on punching. No, you're not. And don't tell us you are, because your actions don't back it up, and now you've got to deal with this. But there's hits and there's punches. That was the audio I mentioned. That was Gary Lyon this morning on SEN Breakfast. Some of you may not have heard that across South Australia. You can download the full show 
sen.com.au or however you consume your podcast. Angus Brayshaw spoke to the boys this morning. I'll have a little bit of that for you very shortly as well. Tom Lynch is topical. If you've just joined us, he's been fined two lots of $1,000 for punches on Sam Collins and Jared Witson. The interesting thing there that I forgot to mention before the break is that Jake Arts, the actual second punch in the incident, nothing, no fine, zero. That in itself is very interesting. Lee's on the road. G'day, Lee. G'day, Jackie boy. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Listen, for me, it's, it's really easy. And I've seen this all before as a Hawthorne fan. And I remember it through the great Brisbane era and the, obviously the great Hawthorne era. Clubs that are dominant and successful through a period, and I don't care what anyone says, I'm not going to use the words get away with blue murder, but they certainly land on the positive side of these situations. And, again, I can point at numerous times we as a football club, Hawthorne, did that. The only thing that concerns me, and not concerns me, just makes me giggle to a point, is that every single time these things happen with various clubs, and Richmond supporters in this particular case, I distinctly remember two or three regulars on your station back through our dominant era getting on the radio and absolutely slamming the Hawthorne Footy Club and the favouritism the AFL showed. All of a sudden, I'm hearing these voices ring up now and defending their football club and trying to tell the world there's nothing in these things. And as I said, it swings and roundabouts. I, I do genuinely believe the bigger clubs or the more successful clubs at the time get a slightly better run. Do you, do you see it like that at all, Jack? I'd hope not. I, um, I try not to be a cynic in, in life about everything, Lee. It's, I guess in a way it's the same conversation that everyone was having yesterday about Elijah Taylor and that if that was um, Dane Rampey, as an example, would he have been suspended as heavily as what he was? I think, yes, he would have. I actually genuinely think that they, they would have for sure. I try not to be. Um, I still go back to the crackdown, which lived for about 15 minutes. And now all of a sudden we don't seem to be cracking down on, on these punches in the stomach, whether they're off the ball or around the ball, it doesn't matter for, for a New York minute. That was the most topical thing in footy. And now we've just forgotten about it. And we move on to something else. I think consistency in these sorts of things is important. Most of us, not all some Richmond supporters and others will say that it's not a big deal and that's okay. Most of us would think that it's not something we need in the game. Well, if it's not something we need in the game, why aren't we policing it more heavily? A $1,000 fine for a player on a, on a salary like Tom Wade, uh, Tom Lynch, and that's you know, good on him. He's, he's at his best, one of the best key forwards in the competition. He commands that salary. That's like .001 of his overall salary for, for the year. That's not a deterrent. It's absolutely not a deterrent. But not playing against Essendon this weekend... That's a deterrent. Off the text, Tony says, um, Tom Lynch decides to whack his opponent behind the play. Open hand or not, it's stupid. It has nothing to do with competing. The biggest penalty for Lynch and his ilk is that he's, um, it's not great actions, and that's a penalty beyond a fine or a suspension. I think this is one, this is one that will be discussed. The boys will be back for brekkie tomorrow. Kane and Hazy in South Australia on SENSA. Gary and Tim in Melbourne. Oh, I think this one's going to be discussed in great detail. Speaking of brekkie, some stuff you missed from across the day. I thought Angus Brayshaw spoke to Gary and Tim today and spoke really, really well. Here's what he had to say about the return of Max Gorn. Well, I don't know. It's hard to pin the big fella down. He's uh, he's sort of a bit non-committal, which is you know fine. It's a bit of a hard injury for him to you know get through in terms of uh, how how early does he push it? You know, his knee sort of thing. Like if he, if he plays this week, will it help or hinder him in the long run? So I've tried to get it out of him, but he's um, he hasn't given me anything yet. So when I know something, I'll, I'll report straight to you. Yes. 
it's well, a, sadly, it's a good chat, and it's well and truly worth the listen, Angus Brayshaw. It's uh, up on the podcast, and Gary and Tim back from six a.m. tomorrow, of course. Speaking of topical discussion points, Kane Corns, he loves the discussion around the salary caps. He thinks that they should be public, and he went one step further with the Adelaide Crows today. And I want to ask the question to Mark Rusciuto. He was pretty quick to name what the other players that had left his club were getting paid. I want to know for him to put on the record what the likes of these players are getting paid because they're all on the list next year. Sloan, I reckon, is on 800 plus. He's got three years to go on that contract. He's about to turn 31. Walker, 750, is contracted. Talia looks done. He had six kicked on him by an unfit Aaron Norton on the weekend. Gibbs isn't playing, and Lynch looks to be, you know, towards the back end of his career. That was Kane Corns last night. I'm happy to live in a world where we don't need to know what players are on. It won't change my day one way, shape or form. I I don't really care. We can guess and that's fine. But um, yeah, I'm happy to to live without that as well. Uh, Big thanks to all of you for your calls and all of your texts as well. Gee, it's nice to be back. Uh, It's only short-lived, of course. The footy starts again Friday night and then from next week, We start to go back into midweek games as well. Tomorrow night, the new CEO of the newest team in the NBL. They don't have a name as yet, but the new Tasmanian team have a CEO. Simon Brookhouse will be my special guest tomorrow night on Time On. We will be back from 6 o'clock tomorrow. So appreciate all of your calls and your texts and look forward to doing it again with you the same time in 24 hours from now. Stay safe out there. Look after each other. Do the right thing. Let's try and get through this stage of lockdown together and look after each other as well. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.